With Hashem's loving grace, welcome to our Likute Moran Shi'ur, brought to you by the Torch Organization and Texas, pretty soon the whole United States and the whole world, together with Amuna Beams. And it's our privilege and delight to team together with uh, my beloved colleague, teacher, and spiritual brother from another mother, Rabbi Arya Wolby. We, are, we really are brothers because Rashi says that one's students are one's children. And we have, so that means your, your Rebbe is your father. And we both have the same Rebbe. We graduated from the same rabbinical seminary with the same Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz and Bo Hashem. And I'm sure Rabbi Wolby will agree with me that what's ours is his. Okay, what, whatever we do, he is, is, plays, he plays such a, a, a deep, profound role in, in both of us. That's a, one of our, that's just one of our small connections, but we have lots of big connections together and a very big connection. We're happy to uh, bring Likute Moran to the world in a way that we hope will be readily understood. It's difficult to make Rebbe Nachman's teachings readily understood because they're so deep. And Rebbe Nachman is talking with all the Gemara and all the Kabbalah on the back of his hand. Someone once asked me, just a preface, uh, it's interested to be a, a Breslover Hasid. What is it required? What would it mean, Breslover Hasid? So, Rabbi Nachman, he says in, in Sichotan, Rabbi Nachman's discourses, which help at one point, uh, one point we'll go on and, and learn Rabbi Nachman's discourses also. They're a lot easier to learn, a lot more eye level. But in Discourse 76, Rabbi Nachman says that his Hasidim, his Students, every year, they have to finish all of Torah. They have to finish all of the 60 tractates of Gomorrah. That's the Babylonian Gomorrah. They have to finish all of the Yerushalmi Gomorrah. They have to finish all sets, four sets of Shulchan Aruch, four sets. They have to finish all the 15 volumes of Kabbalah. And this is this is only part of it now on all of Midrashim. So this is... A, it, it, it's really, Rabbi Nachman's taught this is what you have to do. And Rabbi Natan, same as what he, what he would do, and he would learn, but he would do this. He would complete this every single year. And it's unbelievable. Would we say, if, if someone learns a page of Gemara every day, they're going to finish the entire Gemara in seven years because there's 2,207 pages of Gemara split up by three year, one day, one page a day. And, and this is why, why am I mentioning this? Because Rabbi Nachman is speaking with all the Torah on the palm of his hand. And we go the deeper we go, get deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, I decided to slow things down because sometimes we go too fast and we miss things. So now we are in the first part of Likotimaran, Discourse 7, what we call Torah 7. It's discourse we call a Torah. And we're in the middle of the third paragraph. Okay, so just to... It's our second lesson in Torah 7. Last week, we learned that the main reason for diaspora and exile are because of a lack of emunah. We also learned that the land of Israel is the land of emunah and the land of miracles. Now, emunah and miracles are the same aspect because what emunah and miracles have in common, they are both above nature. They, they're supernatural. They defy nature. In other words, nature is one of the ways that the Almighty conceals himself. If we take the name of stern judgment, Elohim, uh, in, in Gematria, and we explain almost every week that the Hebrew letters, that letters of the Torah have amazing secrets, they all have a numerical value. The name Elohim has a Gematria of 86. If we take name of nature, what they call in America, Mother Nature, nature is Hateva, that's 
that's also 86. So we see Hashem, yes, he made the rules of nature, the rules of physics, the rules of, of biology, the rules of, of chemistry. Well, there's Hashem's, there's Hashem's rules. Hashem's rules. And that's the way he hides himself. So a person who is not aware and who is not observant may be naive enough to see, oh, this is nature. This is nature. But excuse me, sir, how did the world come in? Oh, there was some kind of, it was just a, some big bang, big bang theory or, or something. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Because if someone would tell a person is a, is a PhD in Russian literature, okay, he studied Russian literature, and they say to him, wait a second, how did how long did it take Tolstoy to write War and Peace? And they said, Tolstoy, War and Peace? Tolstoy didn't write War and Peace. They said, of course he did. Of course he did. No, no. Tolstoy went into the printing press and he took a whole box, bunch of letters and he threw them into the press and out came War and Peace. This is what it means. The people that say that some big bang theory or, or some of the world energy, the world just came into being. Okay, this is, of course, uh, this cannot stand the slightest uh, observation, the slightest taking a look at Hashem's beautiful world, you know, that there's a master artist and a master creator behind everything. So, but what happens is when the moment a person has a direct relationship with Hashem, and this our direct relationship with Hashem is what we call emuna, emuna. And then, then the English dictionary translates as faith. That is such an incomplete de definition. Emuna is a, a complete connection to the creator where, where our, our souls are connected to the source of the soul. Now, our souls are above nature. We see the body. The body's nature. This is the body what one can see. And, and But the soul, we can't see the soul. Why? Because the soul is a tiny part of the Almighty. And that's what keeps the body alive. But we know the difference between a live person and a dead person is a viable soul. That's the almighty spark. So the only thing when the almighty wants to take someone's life away, he just takes the life spark. And if the person is righteous, he brings it back up to himself and puts it right under his, his throne, right? But it's his crown jewel. And if it's not so righteous, the person ruined the soul. And the soul has to go through some serious corrections. Just like you take something, a soiled garment has to go through a, a washing machine. Okay, so it's a matter of what the Almighty gives us a soul and takes it away. And that's why we thank the Almighty for every day of life, for every moment of life. Okay, now we learned something else that's very similar last week to Emuna and to uh, miracles, and that's prayer. Because prayer has the same aspect as Emuna and miracles. Prayer is also above nature. We pray for something. What we're doing is that we could really, when our prayers are heard, they literally move nature. And prayer, we know someone that, that believes prayer goes according to a person's belief. The more person has belief, the more effective the prayer is because he believes in the prayer. For example, when you go out to the field and you do personal prayer with the Almighty, you do that because you believe in it. person goes out, he's just getting, he's not crazy, he's wasting his time, wasting an hour talking to a tree or, or talking to a rock. No. Person believes that he's out there and he feels that the Almighty is right there with him, even though the Almighty is all spirituality and it's everything is above. There's nothing physical about the Almighty. That's a third principle of Amuna. And you believe in the Almighty, you talk to him. So the more we believe in the Almighty, the more we uplift ourselves above the constraints of nature. It's a, can imagine the physical gravity pulls us down, spiritual gravity pulls us up. So as soon as we defy the 
physical gravity that pulls us down. Someone says, oh, no, this will never happen. This family will never have children. You're not going to win the court case. You're never going to be healthy. Even a doctor that a doctor doesn't have a MUNA, uh, if a doctor does not have a MUNA, he says, no, a uh, person is not going to recover from this disease. Mr. Physician, in all due respect to you, you don't give out life and death. That's only the almighty. And we've seen people that uh, have went through long, long illnesses and overcome them. And we see people that have been perfectly healthy in here today and gone tomorrow. There's nothing logical about life and death because it all depends on the mighty. Okay, now we have to take care of ourselves. The, the Gemara tells us uh, not to go out unclothed in uh, cold weather. We have to protect ourselves from cold heat. Not to go and and roller skate in the middle of the the freeway. No, we have to we have to protect ourselves. We have to do our effort. That's called our ishtadlut. That's our effort. But the rest up to the Almighty. But prayer like emuna and like miracles are above nature. So as soon as a person prays, a person goes into the league that's above nature. Okay, now we see this in Israel. Let's say that the Israel, Gomorrah and Tractate Tuval, it says that Israel is a land of emuna. We see this every moment. And it's unfortunate that there are people in our own country that don't open their eyes. And so you ask them, uh, how, how do you exist uh, with all these enemies around you, oh, because we have a strong army. Oh, no. It, it, a, it, it, that's not the reason. That's not the reason. That if you pick strict military strength, uh, it's not. It, it's above nature. It's, it's all the Almighty. It's all the Almighty. And that's a, the same thing. We didn't have this army throughout, the, throughout history. In fact, we're the weakest nation in the world. But all the mighty nations, they're gone, and we're still here. That's Amuna. That's Amuna. That's above nature. That our whole history is above nature. So to even understand about ourselves, to understand about our souls, we have to understand what's above nature. Okay, so this week we're going to continue on, and we're going to see how a person, we're talking about Amuna, how important it is to obtain Amuna. And it's all the time Amuna, 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 because Amuna, now understand my definition of Amuna, that's our closeness to Hashem, getting close to Hashem, because this is the whole purpose of our coming to earth. Let's ask ourselves a simple question that 99 and one half percent of the population never asks themselves, what are you doing in this world? Okay, we know that the souls come from the heavenly throne. So what's the Almighty playing a game of ping pong, table tennis? He takes the soul, throws it down the world, down this physical world, and this physical world is the furthest place in the world from spirituality, from the Almighty, because even in purgatory, they have more spirituality than they do in planet Earth. And in and, and purgatory, uh, all the souls that are in purgatory are being cleaned up in purgatory. They all know that there's a creator and they all know about Amuna and they all know what they're doing down in purgatory that they messed up. They all know that. Okay. Here, they don't know that. And you ask a person, what are you doing on Earth? Uh, to make money. To wait, wait, say, make money. Uh, they have an expression in Yiddish in a shroud, there's no pockets. Because you can't take the money where you're going. So what was that for? Well, person, I want to make my life, my mark on, on life. I want to do something monumental, cure for cancer. Okay, that, that that that's fine. That's fine. But what's that about yourself? You could develop a cure for cancer. You could be the most egotistical person in the world. You've seen these great physicians that they're all full of egos. It means maybe you've done something for society that's good, but for yourself, we have to do something for both, both correct ourselves. And give our connection for tikkun olam to correct the world. Okay, so that's, that's not enough. That's so why the whole purpose of our coming down here is to get close to Hashem. 
because inherently the neshama, the soul, it comes from the heavenly throne. It was created up there. So it's close to Hashem because of the way it was born. So imagine you were born into Buckingham and Ellis. You're, you're in the king's family, but it's not because of anything you accomplished. Uh, when you see they have an honor guard, that the, the members of the honor guard, they're all proven soldiers that prove themselves in combat. Uh, but yeah, Prince sitting at the king's table because he was born there. The Gemara in Tractate Psachim in the Gemara Yerushalmi says that the soul doesn't like free bread. Soul doesn't like a handout. Soul wants to earn it. So when we complain about our lives here, we have to know that before our souls came down, we begged Hashem for the privilege of our souls to coming down so we could prove ourselves, so we could earn our closeness, earn our proximity to Hashem, we close to Him. We do that by learning Amuna. So this week, as we're continuing to try and attain Amuna and learn Amuna, we see that a person cannot possibly obtain Amuna until they decide to search for the truth. What does it mean, search for the truth? Take all your preconceptions and put them aside. Let's suppose a person loves to play golf and his favorite time to play golf is Saturday. The person never going to keep Shabbat because he builds his whole life about playing golf on Saturday. Okay, if a person loves to go to football games, the football games are on Saturday. He builds his whole life about football games. Okay, so even you show him all the proof in the world that everything in the Torah, it's absolute truth. He's not going to go because it it's, goes against his, goes against what he desires. Or someone else uh, sees in the Ten Commandments, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, that clips his wings. He doesn't want to have the wings clipped. So he can't accept that the Ten Commandments. And also the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. That's commandment number four. I mean, he, he's not going to want that. So in order to get Emunah, a person has to take all of his preconceptions, all of his bodily desires, put them aside and say, I want truth. I want truth. What is truth? Is the truth that the creator created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, which means I've got to work on six days and I'm going to give myself a day of rest on the seventh day. And it's not just a, 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 the a social day of rest where it's Tuesday or Wednesday. Shem commanded us a day of rest. That's the seventh day, the Sabbath. Okay, so a person can't obtain emuna until he searches for the truth. So that means putting aside personal agendas and genuinely looking for the intrinsic good and what is genuinely, genuinely upright. What's the truth? What's upright? Okay, now we continue on. We're now in the middle of the third paragraph of Torah 7. And in the third paragraph, Rabbi Nachman quotes King David in Psalm 42. And he says, Tahom el tahom kore, kiesh nisi miloin, shubchina tomila, viesh nisi tatoin shem prina tomatato. Rabbi Nachman quotes Psalms, and now he gives some a, a deep Kabbalistic uh, interpretation of them. I'll try to explain it at eye level, the way we can understand. Okay, so tahom el tahom kore literally. It means that the deep calls to the deep. We're calling it as the depths. You have to understand there are hev up heavenly waters and earthly waters. The heavenly waters are called the upper waters. That's the upper to home, the upper depths. And the earthly waters are the lower depths. Now, the waters come here, the, the waters, the, there are mayanim. There are underwater springs that are below ground. And the water bubbles up from below ground. And the, the seas are a combination of the upper waters and lower waters. Okay, so well, these correspond, Rabbi Nachman says, to 
the upper miracles and the lower miracles. There's upper miracles and lower miracles. Rabbi Nachman brings that concept from the Midrash in Shmot. Okay, so now Rabbi Nachman says, uh, it continues on, and he brings up, but I want to first explain this with the, the upper and the lower. Rabbi Nachman is alluding to two types of arousal. There's a way that a person could be aroused to seek Hashem, seek a Muna, that's called ateruta de la Eila. That's called upper arousal. Upper arousal. That's when Hashem puts a feeling of yearning in you, a feeling that, that, you, that you want to search for something, feeling something's lacking in your life. I need something in life. I need, look, or, 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 or a feeling when you, you see a gorgeous sunset. See this gorgeous sunset, and you see, that's unnatural. I'm alone here, and Hashem is doing a sound and light show, private sound and light show, just for me. If you feel like the way you're right, that's exactly right, because Hashem is doing that just for you. And this is what Rabbi Nachman tells us in Torah, hey, bishvelini v'aolam. A person has to think that Hashem is creating the world especially for him. That doesn't mean to be egotistical. It means that you're in charge of the whole world, so you have to see what the world needs. So what the world needs, more than anything, is that I should get closer to Hashem. When a person says himself, person, the moment one person gets closer to Hashem, he uplifts the whole world. And the Gemara Tractate Sanhedrin says that every person, say that what Rabbi Nachman told us in Torah, hey, that we're all in charge of the world. One good deed, imagine that the world is perfectly judged now. You've got wars going on, our war with Gaza. You've got the Ukraine uh, with Russia. And, and you've got the Red China is about to take over Taiwan. There's all this tension in the world with North Korea and the axis of evil, and everything going on in Iran. The world's about to explode. So maybe there's an argument upstairs with the administering angels and they say, Hashem, the world is not worth it. There's so much evil in the world, Hashem, they're not listening to you. Hashem, you know, it's time for, okay, you promise humanity that you won't make another flood. And you promise that you're not going to, you're not going to wipe out humanity. But it's time to, Hashem, clean up, clean up things. Maybe I need something a little more stiff, heaven forbid, than a coronavirus. They're, they're calling for, they're calling. The dark side is calling for justice. Hashem, they're going against you. The well, light side is saying, no, Hashem, there's folks in the United States, in the UK, in South Africa, <laughs> and in Canada, in the Netherlands right now, and they're learning Rabbi Nachman's teachings. Hashem, and they're doing that because it's going to make more money from that. And it's just because they all their whole purpose is just to get close to you. Hashem says, what? It's enough that one of them is doing that, then the world is going to continue for another week. And what you've got a a a, 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 bunch, a couple of a, a couple of dozen people that are learning that or whatever. Wow, when you, when you don't know what's going on in the world right now. When you're making an effort to get close to Hashem, you're simply saving the world. So after you get up, your your 120 years on Earth are complete, and you get upstairs and you see this honor guard with all these tens of thousands of angels, and they're greeting you. And they say, here's the big sun. What do you mean? Yeah, here's the hero. He's come from the war. Well, what's the war? The, the war. This this earth, you just had a 120-year war with evil inclination. And then they're going to remind you of January 25th, 2024, when the world was about to be destroyed. And no, you had a, a desire to get close to Hashem, and you saved the world. 
that because of you, the world continued on another week. And then together, another person, another person, another person. And it's the medals of honor for this. It's unbelievable. People don't realize what they're doing. If a person realized the good that he or she does, not only for themselves, but for the entire earth, be running after Shem all day long, running after Shem all day long. So this is what's called ataruta diletata. This is arisal from below when we're saying now, hey, wait a second. I could be watching Netflix. I could be going to the movies. I could be uh, uh, playing bridge with the girls. I could be doing, I don't even remember things. No, I'm going to learn Likutei Moran. I'm going to learn Torah. This is arisal from below. But when Hashem, you went out to talk to Hashem. Okay, you made the first step. Now Hashem, you could, Hashem could let you be dry and not give you any word, but now Hashem is giving you this beautiful sunset that is opening up your heart. That is arisal from above. So the arisal from above, this is the waters from above. It's the influence, the waters are from above. And the arisal from below is the waters from below. Now what happens when the rains come, according to Kabbalah, that the upper waters call to the lower waters, come, meet me. And the lower water says, no, you come and meet me. And they come and they, they meet each other in the middle. And you have the entire water cycle that we all learned about when we were little kids, how the, the, uh, the moisture from the earth goes up in the clouds. And then the clouds get, it brings down the, more, the water back down to the earth and it refills the underground, uh, the underground uh, springs and then go back up the entire water cycle. This is getting Kabbalah. This is the cooperation between the upper waters and the lower waters. Just we have the upper waters and lower waters. Uh, Rabbi Nachman says that there are upper miracles and lower miracles. We'll soon get into that. Okay, but now he, he stops and he goes to the next paragraph. He brings one of the cryptic Gemaras that is really more esoteric than the Zohar, than the, than the Kabbalah. We, the stories of Rabbah Barbarchana. We've already learned some of Rabbah Barbarchana's stories in the Gomorrah, where he sends him a fable and it's such deep secrets. So he brings another one. Rabbah Barbarchana talks about how he met the angel of rain. Okay, he was at such a spiritual level. Rabbah Barbarchana was a prime student of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan was the father of the Yerushalmi Gomorrah. He compiled the Yerushalmi Gomorrah. He is what is called our first generation of Amoraic sages, the first generation of the Gomorrah sages. There were three of them. There was Rav Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel were in Babylon, and Rabbi Yochanan in land of Israel. So the Babylonian Talmud comes from Rav and Shmuel, and the Yerushalmi Talmud, the land of Israel Talmud, comes from Rabbi Yochanan. What is in the land of Israel Talmud that is not in the Babylonian Talmud? All the agriculture laws. You know, today was Tu Bishvat. Today, outside of Israel, it's okay, in America, it's still Tu Bishvat. In England, it's after, in the UK, it's after sundown. But today was Tu Bishvat for trees. And Tu Bishvat talks about a lot. And Tu Bishvat, we plant trees and uh, there's laws of fruit. And we have a lot of laws of fruit. In the land of Israel, you don't have out, outside. You don't have to need a, uh, to, to buy kosher fruit outside. In Israel, we go to a fruit stand. That fruit stand has to have kosher supervision. What's a kosher supervision? To make sure that the guy is not selling any fruit that's less than four years old. Because three, two, and one-year-old fruit, that's called orla. It's forbidden. It's it's uh, it's a fruit that's not ready. We don't eat fruit from a young tree. Uh, and this is the Torah. It's uh, This is one called the chukim. This is one of the laws of Torah 
that it defies logic. It's beyond logic. We also have the tithe. Fruit has to be tithed. And tumult and masrot. Man, these are laws of the land of Israel. Okay, all these laws of land of Israel, the Babylonian Gemara doesn't mention them because they don't deal with them. But the Bab- but the Yerushalmi Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, uh, gives all the tractates with all the agricultural laws, all the laws that govern living in Eretz Yisrael, uh, living in the land of Israel. Okay, so in uh, Rabbi Barbarchana, he speaks in, in this is in, in the Babylonian Talmud, tractate Tani, page 25, and something really cryptic. I'm going to read it, and then I'll translate it. Umalach shekolul mikol anisim, mishnei tuomot, dami ala igla, shubchinat igulim, bichnat emunah, shekatuv emunatcha svivotecha. We just said that there are two types of miracles, upper miracles and lower miracles. So Rabbi Nachman pulls out of his sleeve. Here he's got this right here in the Gemara. Rabbi Barbachana in Tractate Tandi, page 25, he said that he saw the angel of rain. And the angel of rain taught him a few different things. He said, what did the angel of rain look like? He said the angel of rain looked like a bull calf, a bull calf, igla, a bull calf. But this again is one of Rabbi Nachman's play on words. Okay. Igla is a bull calf in Aramaic, and it's also circles. It's also circles, a ghoul. So it means two things. And the, the Gomorrah says that, that its lips were split open, that this angel that looks like this bull calf, its lips were split open. And was standing between the upper depths and the lower depths. This is the angel of rain, and he's standing between his body goes all the way up to the upper depths, and his feet go all the way down to the lower depths. And this is the angel of rain. Okay, so uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, this this angel, and this angel when he's Rabbi Nachman says that when he is. The fact that his body goes from the upper depths to lower depths, and we say there's upper miracles and lower miracles, and upper arousal and lower arousal, that this angel of rain encompasses all miracles. Now, there is another Gomorrah that tells us that when it rains in the land of Israel, Israel is not uh, the Philippines, and it's not <laughs> Samoa. Uh, our rains are limited, but our rains come... If we do the right thing, our rains come at the perfect time. In other words, Shem does not the flood, they come exactly at the right time. And so when it rains in, in Israel, and today on Tu Bishvat Bo Hashem it rained, today, uh, when it rains in Israel, that the Gemara tells us that rain in Israel is just as important as revival of the dead. It, it, it's amazing that because it and it's the same miracle, the same miracle that Hashem is going to do. To revival of the dead means that it rains near its Israel. So, person think you know when it, sometimes when when I console a family of a, a of a fallen soldier, there's been too much of that recently. And see, really, the only consolation is that uh, the way I see it, this war is going to end up in Mashiach, which means that it's only see you later. It's not goodbye, because just as we have the first principle of Muna. That we're talking so much about that Hashem alone does, does, did, and will do everything. We have the 13th principle of Amunah, which is arrival of the dead. So if you believe in the first principle, 
to be the last principle. If you believe and reigned that it rained in, in land of Israel today, and your galoshes and your raincoat, they could tell of it, then if you don't believe that there's going to be a revival of dead, excuse me, sir, excuse me, madam. That's called, I don't want to be a nice, that that's called uh, an agnostic. Okay, even it's difficult to leave. No, not agnostic. Who, me, an agnostic? Yeah. If you don't believe in a revival of the dead, that's it. So here, this angel that brings the rain, his feet straddle everything, which what is Rabbi Nachman showing us? It's that it's the same exact aspect. It's the same thing. The soul is still alive. We talk about rival of the dead. We're talking about dead bodies. But the soul is still alive. There are times, the, the story from, from the war, this time where a soldier, his, his grandfather came to him in a dream and said, don't go into this, this particular house. It's booby-trapped. And he didn't go. And they sent a dog into there, and the dog set off the booby. The dog got killed. Dog got killed. He, he, the grandfather. He told me where the grandfather came. The grandfather I means the grandfather. The grandfather must have the, the grand, both grandfather and the soldier. They must have some tremendous uh, merit. But this is the souls. They're alive. The souls of righteous people are alive. The souls that Sadiqim there are alive, and they're much more active. In fact. They're, they're more capable of doing things now that they're out of the flesh because this is one big jail. The flesh and blood is a big jail. The soul could do whatever it wants, whatever it does. It just needs an okay from Hashem. Soul can't come down to earth and appear to someone unless Hashem gives the okay. So Hashem gives the okay that this grandfather would come down and warn his grandson. We're talking about things fresh out of the oven. So you see this angel, there's no difference between a rain and a revival of the dead. And for someone who lives a spiritual life, yes, what, what happens when we cry, when we cry, when we lose a, a, a loved one? We cry because it hurts us. But he's going to a great place, especially if he's a martyr. He's going to a great place, especially if it was a cry about losing someone young. But that, that young person was a righteous person. Finish his job on earth. This is worse purgatory, down in the worst purgatory, because it's the furthest place in the entire spiritual and physical realm, furthest place away from Hashem, where Hashem's light is hidden here more than anyone else. Okay, so a person goes to the next world, but he's going back home to, to, to father, going back home to daddy. He's going back to, to sit in daddy's lap. And, and there's many times, that sometimes the Rizal tells a story that uh, of, a, of a, a family that lost a four-year-old child and they mourned too much and the child came to his parents and he said, Mommy, Daddy, stop mourning. Stop this mourning. It's, it's not good for you and it's not good for me. Okay, but I'm in a wonderful, wonderful place. You can't imagine where I am. And you can't imagine what I'm capable of doing. The soul's in a good place. So this is what, what appears. And the, the secrets here are just so deep. Why did Rabbi Nachman tell us that the igla and egul, the word, well, what's an Ox or a baby bull, the both both are proper translations. Ox or a baby bull, what they have to do with circles? Circles are the secret of creation of the world. The Gemara tells us, and it's true, there are no creations. Anything square is man-made. Anything circle is creation. Shem creates everything. Why is everything circle? Look at the parts of a body. When someone learns to draw, they first learn to make circles. 
big circles. That the, the, the body is, is not the body, but the circles. Everything Hashem creates is circles, rock circles, that, that, the circles. Why circles? The name that Hashem created the world was Shin Dalad Yud. It's called, we say Shakai. I don't like to say the word Dalad. We change it a little bit because it's outside the context of prayer. How did Hashem create the world? We learn in Kabbalah through the concealment that there was no place, there was no place to create the world because Hashem's glory filled everything. So what Hashem had to do is take this tiny, tiny little space within his glory and constrict himself. Hashem took away his godliness from a tiny little point. You know what's in that tiny little point? All the galaxies, all the world, all the, the super, the nebulas, and the, the, there's no big black hole like NASA thinks. Oh, it's all Hashem's light. It's all there. But Hashem took it away, but he left his impression. That's the Rashimu. This impression, that's his concealment where those of us that look for him find it. And then Hashem reveals itself. So now by going learning in Amuna, we go outside the concealment because this above the concealment and get close to Hashem. Okay, so what's the secret of the circle? The secret of the circle, if anyone ever learned mathematics, is pi. Pi is the square root of 10. 3.141, okay, thread, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, that's the secret of the circle because you can't understand, you can't, you can't configure circumference, a diameter, if you don't know pi. Pi is 3.14. What is the name of creation, Shakai and Gematia? It's 314. It's 100 times pi. 100 is perfection. Pi and perfection. This is Shem. This is Shem's fingerprints all over creation. Hashem's existence is shouting and yelling at us. This is what Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman was not throwing his face. Rabbi Nachman was giving us it to gently. He says, look at this angel. And this angel is reflecting its creator. And it's got his foot upstairs and foot downstairs. And he looks like this. Bull, baby bull, baby bull is for sacrifice on that, but not a baby bull, but he looks like circles, the angel circles, because he's showing what creation is all about. And now what else is circle? That's the cycle of life. We talked about the cycle of water. That's the cycle of life. <laughs> There's no difference upstairs between a dead person and a live person. It's a neshama. That as long as a person did right and kept the neshama alive, there's no difference, but it's all a cycle. And then the Shema comes back here, then it comes down to make another correction or to help someone else's correction. And it's all a cycle. This is what this angel is telling us. And that what is it, the illusion that his lips were split? Rabbi Nachman says his lips are split. It's split, but open in prayer. And the angel is saying, Hashem, open my lips. Hashem, Sfakai Tiftach, open my lips. In other words, the angel, don't attribute any power to the angel, all the power is from Hashem. So Rabbi Nachman continues, Vizepirush. Now, according to what we learned about this angel and these circles, that's an aspect of faith because the circles, the aspect of faith, as we get again, why the circles of faith? With circles of creation of the world. You believe that Hashem created the world. And it's proved right there in Shakai. The secret of creation is in Hashem's name. And people just don't know that. That's yelling at you. 
yelling at you. Any mathematics professor, excuse me, sir, how do you function in geometry without pi? Oh, no, it can't function without pi. Oh, do you know what pi stands for? Shaka. Oh, no, no. no. Hop on. What are you, a monkey in a tree? So this is, this is these professors that don't believe in a shim. These are the same guys that believe that Tolstoy threw the letters into the printing press and out came war and peace. <laughs> it's, it's just, okay. Rabbi Nachman continues. Wow, Rabbi Nachman is saying, get ready for the redemption, folks. Get ready for the full gula. And we see, we talked about this mathematics professor in Oxford that he recognizes pi, but he doesn't recognize the creator. Okay, sir. You know what the guys like to ask? So you ask him, well, well wait a second. This week's Parsha in the Torah, Parsha Beshalach, uh, how did that happen? Oh, he'll say the Red Sea just happened on a particular night that on the 15th of the Hebrew calendar of Nisan, there was a high tide on one side of the Red Sea and low tide on the other Red Sea. And the Jews crossed exactly at the low tide. And just as the Egyptians came, the high tide came back. Come on, man. Come on. Rabbi Nachman talks about these ridiculous people. And he says, that what does it mean? Well, we learned last week that Mashiach will come when the last penny leaves a person's pocket. He says, there are people that conceal miracles, that there comes this angel, this angel that's in charge of rain, okay, this angel that looks like the, the, the circles and the baby ox or the baby bull, he's also the angel of miracles because rain is a miracle. Rain is a miracle, just like revival of the dead is a miracle. It's the same thing. For Shem, it's for no big deal for a person with the Muna. It's no big deal because Hashem can do whatever he wants. Want. But Hashem, tomorrow morning, I believe, tomorrow morning, I don't have to wait till tomorrow morning. It's now in Israel. It's 20 minutes to nine. Okay. And uh, right now, as we're talking, the deer that the, uh, maybe the news come, Mashiach is landing in, in, in Jerusalem. Okay. And then uh, tomorrow morning, after Mashiach sets, it gets a little bit order in the world, and that uh, all the loved ones are coming back, the great grandparents are coming back, the, the martyred soldiers are coming back. Everybody's going to come back to be a big one, big one, big holiday. And say, oh, you're silly. You're silly. I believe in the rain. I believe in this because it's the same aspect. This is what Rebbe Nachman is showing us. Why is Rebbe Nachman dwelling so much on, on this angel of rain? Because it said, he's learned, Rabbi Barbara is teaching that this is the secret behind Rabbi Barbara when when he said he met the angel of rain and said that the angel's lips were, were split. In Hebrew, it says plita. Plita, it's Aramaic, it means split. The a penny leaves as puta. So when the puta leaves the pocket, that's when Mashiach is going to come. This is what Rabbi Nachman is saying, that this is the prita when no more natural explanations, it's all Hashem's society talk, it's all prayer. That the angel is talking about the people that try to give natural explanations. Oh, no, that's not a miracle. It happened anyway. Oh, no, it's not a miracle that you got a hospital. Uh, you would have been cured anyway because you've got a good immune system or something like that. No way. No way. How many times have you been on the road and somebody cut you off and it was maybe a split second between an accident or not? Or one inch and 
Puffs, I would take a deep breath. Wow, thank you, Hashem. That's a sham. That's a sham. And how many times there are people that did merit that, they did have the accident. Okay, so when the tichle, that's when the tichle is the word that's going to leave the pocket, when that, that penny will leave the pocket. Tichle means what's ending. So what the illusion here says, Rabbi Nachman, is that when the tichle, when these stories of denying emuna, denying prayer, denying Hashem's power, denying a miracle, when these stories of denying a miracle end, in other words, when everybody gets emuna, that is when Mashiach is going to come. This is the whole thing, and that and Rabbi Nachman gives us a, a, a another. He said to Tovei to show. He gives another passage that that's going to come. We're now up to letter Beit and Torah seven. And Rabbi Nachman says, "Aval We said, "Guess what, folks? There's no Amuna without truth. Got to throw away all our lies and all our bodily appetites that lie to us." The body tries to override the soul, and the body says, do this and do that and eat this and eat that. And, you know, you need more money and cut corners and your integrity in business. The body tells you to do all kinds of stuff that the soul doesn't want you to do. No, that's not according to Torah. That's not Hashem's wishes. Okay, so in order to get emuna, we have to put aside personal agenda. Personal agenda. We have to put aside bodily appetites and look for the truth. So there is absolute cohesion between emuna and truth. Now, I told you about in the circles, Hashem's name is signed. You know where truth, Hashem's name is signed? I said, we should everybody share, share tonight's lesson with people. Moses and the first Torah portion of Shemot, of, of Exodus, Shemot, Parsha Shemot. Moses first goes up to Mount Sinai and Moses sees the burning bush and Hashem reveals himself to Moses through the burning bush. And Moses is amazed and Hashem says, take your shoes off, you're on hallowed ground. You're on holy ground. And Hashem gives Moses his marching orders. I want you to go to Egypt and let people go and says, well, wait a second, people aren't going to believe me and I say, I saw some burning bush. What's your name? What's your name? Hashem asks Moses. Moses asks Hashem, what's your name? Hashem says to Moses, you don't need to know my name. Moses, yes, I do. The people are going to ask me. And they're going to know, I don't know what, what proof am I going to have that, that I saw Hashem, that Hashem revealed himself to me. So Hashem said, I am that I am. In the holy tongue, with all our secrets, I am that I am is Ekya Asher Ekya. Aleph, hey, yud, hey, asher. Aleph, hey, yud, hey, yud. Okay. Aleph, hey, yud, hey is a gematria 21. An aleph is a one, a hey is a five, a yud is a 10. Okay. Two fives and a 10 and a one, that's 21. Asher comes to the Hebrew word of multiplication. When our matriarch Leah had many more sons than what her choice, what her, her allotment of four, Jacob had four wives. And she said, Hashem is greatly multiplied. My thing. And then she named her son Asher. Okay, surely Hashem is multiplied. 
So we take Ekia, Asher Ekia, we take in, in translating it to a mathematical equation, Hashem's name is 21 times 21. Okay, those of you that were great in math, what's 21 times 21? 441. The word in Hebrew, in the Holy Tongue for Truth, is emet. A taf is 400, a mem is 40, and an alf is one. I am that I am. Mathematically, it's emet. Hashem's name is in the creation of the world. Hashem's name is in truth. Not only that, but the Gemara says something fantastic. That truth is Hashem's signet ring. Hashem signs all his decrees with the signet ring of truth. You know why? Because the Melitzer Rebbe once explained to me something beautiful. 99% truth is 100% lie. The truth is the only thing that no one can counterfeit. There's no counterfeit for truth. Because a counterfeit has to have something inaccurate. Even a person is a great monetary counterfeiter. It's not the same as the original currency that the country the country uh, uh, produces. Okay, but you can't counterfeit Hashem's name. That's why Hashem chose the name truth. So he Hashem's name all over creation, all over truth. And that's why you can't get to emuna, which means getting close to Hashem. Getting close to Hashem and getting close to a truth is synonymous. Emuna is synonymous getting close to Shem. Emuna is synonymous to truth. They don't go with one without another. If a person is not into truth, it's not Emuna. That's the, that's the dark side of Emuna. Okay, that, but what we say, we say, how do we win the war in Israel? Okay, Hamas has 97% dark side Emuna. We have to have at least 98% light side Emuna to believe them. They believe in everything they're doing, and they believe that, it, that, it, that it, to wipe out the state of Israel, to kill every Jew they meet, and they learn this in schools from the time they're well, they see little kids. You can see memory, M-E-M-R-I, on their website. Watch it, what they teach in, in, in the Gaza schools, where the, the foreign governments say that uh, you know unaligned civilians, Gaza is no such thing, but the whole nation is mobilized mobilized to hate Israel, hate Jews, and, and to think that the, all the world's invented all these zillions of dollars in Gaza, when Gaza could be Monte Carlo in the Middle East, but it's all been used for death and destruction to build these underground tunnels. And uh, the, the Hamas operatives, were, where are they? They're in Qatar, it's the lack of, lack of luxury, and the people in Gaza are starving. The people in Gaza, I don't know, they were... They were European. They, they, they'd wake up and revolt. I don't know why they, they did. It's like, okay, but that, that's not what we're, we're here for. Uh, we say that Emuna and Emet are one aspect. Rabbi Nachman continues and he brings a passage from the Zohar, Parshat Balak, In other words, truth and Emuna, the Zohar says it right out. Okay, and emunah means, according to the Zohar, Rabbi Shem Yochai, itchabel ba'emet, when one's connected to truth. Okay, so when you've got emunah, you're connected to truth, you're connected to Hashem. You, my cherished brother and sister, are in a good place. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman says, well, again, can't, can't get, we cannot get to emunah unless we get to truth. We continue on, we're now in letter Gimel. Okay, letter Gimel. Learn one thing. Rabbi Nachman says, okay, we've got to get Emuna, but we can't get to Emuna without truth. All right, Emuna we need if we want to see the redemption. If we want to get this world in a better place. We get ourselves in a better place, but we can't get to Emuna without uh, truth. Okay, now 
It says, Rabbi Nachman said one one step further. We can't get close to the truth until we get close to the true tzaddikim. And it's anyone that's connected to a righteous, you ask Rabbi Wolby how many times he would be in doubt. And he asked his Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz of the, for, for advice and saying he's a, he's a real tzaddik. And I know I have the privilege of my my mentor, my spiritual guide, the Rebbe Melitz, the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. Oh, wow. If I wouldn't listen to him, oftentimes he told me something to do something completely illogical. But listen to him, it'd be a bad place. It just didn't matter to when a person is connected to a righteous teacher, it means that he or she has to put his own opinions aside. Uh, it, it just that you can't have preconceptions and look for uh, the tzaddik to give a rubber stamp to a person's own preconceptions. That's not a muna, that's not truth, and it's not connection to tzaddikim, to the righteous people. And Rabbi Nachman says, and to walk in the path of their advice. But when the person receives their advice, it's not something that there are a lot of people that they ask questions and they want a certain answer. You can see by the way they're asking, they want to hear a certain answer. We said that's not the right answer. And oftentimes the people, if they're they're fair weather friends, no, people like to come and go all the time. Come and go all the time. It's 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 very few people that, that stay loyal to, to their teacher and are trust their teacher enough to put their brains aside and listen to the teacher's advice. But once again, this teacher has to be. If the teacher is not a Muna person, if the teacher is not a truthful person, and if the teacher is not a humble person, that, that can't be a, a true teacher. Okay. Since the person is truthful, since a person has a Muna, it means that that Sadiq, he's connected to a Shem. So when a person accepts their advice, a person connects himself also to a Shem because there's a law in the Mishnah. When you are connected, to a person who is pure, it means you yourself become purity. And by the same way, by the same token, when a person connects oneself to impurity, person could be just come out and get dressed for a wedding and just come out of the salon with a wedding gown or the wedding tuxedo or whatever, and just come out from the uh, from the grooming and barber and shower and everything and perfumed and. Walks into a cow shed, going to come out smelling like a cow shed, and this is this is it depends what we're connected to. So when a person is connected to truth, it's, it's going to influence him in truth. And King David says, "Hein emet He says that in in, in Psalm fifty one. He says, "My whole life, I desired truth. I desired truth." So Rabbi Nachman says, "Okay, if you desire truth, then uh, you are going to." Receive the truth. Rabbi Nachman says not only that. Rabbi Nachman says there's an aspect that you're going to be married to truth. He says because It says that a person gets advice from a tzaddik. It's like marriage. Because where does Rabbi Nachman learn this from? Rabbi Nachman learns this from Genesis, where Parshas Breshit, when Hashem says to Eve, why did you eat from the tree? 
Why did why did you 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 heard me? I went directly. Why did you eat from the tree? And what did Eve answer? She said, that the serpent, he influenced me. The word for influence and marry in classical Hebrew is the same word. When a person marries a person, takes in marriage and takes in advice, it's the same word. So Rabbi Nachman learns from this, when a person takes advice from a person, what happens? We take advice and you take it into your soul. It's just like marriage, taking another person, the other half of your soul into the soul. It's the same aspect. So you have to be very, very careful. Rabbi Nachman warns us who you get your advice from. Don't ask advice from anybody in the street. Ask somebody advice for someone that you trust, somebody that's upright, somebody that's worthwhile. Okay? So uh, this is what Rabbi Nachman says. When a person gets advice from an evil person, it's like being married to the dark side. Now, you just mentioned I, I, I jumped the gun in third chapter of Genesis. Uh, and it, it, it's, this is a language of marriage, language of marriage, because the because Eve received advice from the serpent. It was like her soul married the serpent. She brought this impurity into her soul, which led to death and destruction. Adam and Eve were they're supposed to last forever. Okay, the people weren't meant to die. There was no death in the world. By accepting the, the advice of the snake, this brought death into the world and destruction. Okay, and that's why uh, the Zohar calls the 613 mitzvot, 613 commandments of the Torah, he calls the 613 itin the pieces of advice, and he calls them the pieces of holiness. That the 603 minutes, they call little pieces of holiness because a person, when a person accepts the advice of the Torah, it's like he's married to holiness. Okay, so we're going to hold up here and in the middle of this concept, the deep concept, I want to go into a little bit further about how uh, advice and marriage is the same aspect. And so make sure you take advice from upright people. So God willing, we're going to continue on. We are in the... We are in the middle of letter Gimel. Okay, we'll continue on, God willing, next week. And meanwhile, everyone should have a wonderful week and all your hearts wishes for the best.